Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, it's good to be with you guys as always, uh, to be back here and to be a part of what God is doing and to see his hand on so many of your lives and those of you that are new and uh, you know, this this weekend's kind of like a bonus weekend. You know, people celebrated Christmas, and many of my friends, they don't even go to church. They, they Some pastors, they don't even want to have service on the weekend after uh, Christmas because they think, oh, I did so much at Christmas. But I always think, you know what, there's always someone that's going to come, and you're proof of that. So uh, you guys help prove the theory true that people still want to go to church the week after Christmas. So uh, that means you're hungry, you're ready, you must be searching for something before the year ends. And the Bible says, uh, ask and it will be given, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened in Matthew 7 verse 7. So I believe as you're asking, as you're seeking, and in your, as you're knocking today on your heart for God to do something great, I believe he's going to do that together in this place. Do you believe that today? Tell your person next to you on your right or left, tell them, get ready. God has something for you. <laughs> wow. Well, can we honor Pastor Chris and Heather for the job that they're doing in leading Victor Orlando every single week? Come on, can we honor your pastors doing a great job? We had to come to church today. We didn't have a lot of choice. We need to be encouraged today because both Pastor Chris and I watched our football team, the Oklahoma Sooners, get beat to a pulp yesterday, and it was a sad, sad night. I mean, I was up just in turmoil over how bad they played yesterday, so uh, I'm leaving this afternoon, but Pastor Chris will be here, and so when you just see him after service, we just encourage him because he was really down and discouraged, as was I, but the Word of God is working, and we're believing for miracles. Next year is our year. The Sooners are going to win or whoever you're rooting for, UCF, they won their bowl game. Go Knights. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about how we're finishing one year and we're starting a new year, and it's always a great time to reflect. It's also a great time uh, to have an expectation, and your expectation could be that your year is going to be the same as it was this year, or it may be worse, your expectation. But I simply have a belief that since I'm connected to God, the creator of everything, that I can have an expectation that as I step into a new year, it's not going to be worse, it can be better. That God has more in store for our lives. That no matter what we've been through, no matter what we might be even in the middle of, that God, the creator of everything, could do something new and fresh in me and through me as I step into a new year. And that's what I'm believing for you. I'm believing there's more in store. That God has more in store for your life. That God has more blessing, more provision. That God has more strength that he wants to give you. That there's more purpose he wants to reveal to you. So I don't know what you came expecting today, but I want to encourage you that God has something for you. And that as you get ready to finish one year on this December 29th, 2019, as you step into 2020, I believe that God has great things in store for our lives. And so as we listen to the word of God today, I'm simply, I just have a simple prayer today. My prayer is this, that you would leave here changed and different. It's simple. He shows up, things change. So I'm believing. The Bible says where two or more gathered together, he's there in our midst. So I have faith to believe that not because of me, a song, a stage, a building, none of that, but because he shows up, things change. 
So I'm believing that for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your finances, for your health, all areas of your life, I'm believing that God can do something new and fresh and that he has more in store as we head into the new year. How many of you, even if you don't see it, like the song says, how many of you can believe God's working? Come on, you believe that today? Come on, just lift your hands as we, as a sign of surrender. I want to pray for you as we begin the message today. Father, I pray for all my friends today. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together, to be strengthened and encouraged in our faith and to leave this place different than we came. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you in this place and we ask that you would interpret every word that I say, interpret it to your people, give them ears to hear and eyes to see what you're telling them and what you're showing them in this hour. And Father, we recognize today that apart from you, we can't do it, but with you, we can do all things. And so we declare that today in this church, that all things are possible because we believe and we trust you. If you believe that today, say amen. amen. You believe that? All right, you're going to leave different than you came. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the angel of the Lord walked with me, and he came back and wakened me as a man who had been wakened out of a sleep. Have you ever been woken up out of your sleep? It says, And he said to me, What do you see? Look at the person next to you and say, What are you looking at? <laughs> he said, What do you see? And I said, I am looking. There's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes. And to that, seven lamps again, two olive trees. And by one, the right, a bowl. And on its left, another bowl. In other words, a bunch of confusing things that I don't understand. That was his reply to the Lord. But I focus in on this one question. As they were working on the temple, trying to gather and, and trying to fulfill the purpose in which they were created. In this particular part of Scripture, the angel of the Lord wakes them up and wakes the, 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 the people of God up and asks a question and says, what do you see? And he says, I'm looking. A few lampstands, olive tree, bowl. In other words, I'm looking at things, but I don't really see. So to me, there's this understanding that you can look and not see. Because when you're looking, you still have limited understanding. But when you see clearly, you have a correct interpretation of what you're really seeing. And my prayer for us as we head into the new year is that instead of just looking at our lives and looking at our future and looking at our family, that we would see what God sees. So the word of the Lord is simple, and it's this for you, having 20-20 vision, seeing what God sees. Do you think that if you saw your life the way God sees it, things would look different in your life? Do you think that? Of course they would. If you saw your life the way God sees you, then you would start to see the promises that God has given us become a reality in our lives. If the creator of everything created you for a purpose, with a purpose, and if you saw your life in light of the way that he created you and what he has given you and the power and the promises that he has put up for us, do you think things would be better or worse in your life? They'd be better if we saw things clear. So that's my prayer for us as we step into a new year, that you would have 2020 vision to see what God sees. You know, it's interesting that when we think of the future, many times we 
look at the future in light of our past instead of seeing our future in light of what God has said. You look at your future, you have limited understanding. Well, I went through this, so maybe I'll go through that. Well, I don't have this, so maybe I won't have that. But when you see, you have a clearer understanding, well, God has promised this, so maybe that is possible. And that's what I'm praying for you today. You know, several years ago, I went into the eye doctor because when I was in middle school, I got diagnosed that I couldn't see clear. And, uh, you know, for probably a year or two, I didn't know that I needed glasses. And I remember playing basketball and, and, you know, I I could play basketball fairly good. But then the day came when I went to the eye doctor and they gave me contact lenses and glasses. And then I went out to play basketball. Instead of seeing two rims, I saw one. Instead of seeing a blurry person in the distance, I saw a clear face on the people. And it was like, wow, the whole world opened up when I saw clear. And then a few years later, I went into the doctor and they did surgery, LASIK surgery in my eyes. And then after that day that they did surgery, I woke up the next morning at 536 in the morning. I looked over at the alarm clock that used to be very blurry. And all of a sudden, I could see it. It was a miracle. It's amazing how that when you see clear, things begin to change. I'm praying that in 2020, you would see things more clearly than you've ever seen them before. And I have some simple promises that I want us to look at today that will help you to see things the way God sees them. One of those promises comes out of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And it's a a basic promise that helps us to understand the how God sees your life and what God could do in and through your life. And there's the promise that says, Now unto him, God, who is able, so this is a promise, God saying, look, he's able to do, how much? Exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So how much does God want to do in your life? Exceedingly, abundantly above. Well, how much more could God work in my life? Exceedingly, abundantly above. Well, could God really do this in my marriage? Yep, if, it, if it's exceeding, abundant, or above, God can do it. Could God do this with my children? Yes, he can. If it's exceeding, abundant, and above, God can do it. Could he do it in my finances? Yes, he can. Exceeding, abundant, above. According to the power that works in us. In other words, God sees you the way he created you. And he knows the promises that he's given us, but many times we don't see things the way God sees them. We see the deficit, we see the problem, we see the pain, we see the sickness, we see the turmoil. And so we look at our future in light of our current circumstance, but God never intended it to be that way. God has given us his word, and it's not just a few good words on a page, theological thoughts from the past, a historical document that we have bounded in leather with some good ideas. No, this is God speaking to us. This is his word. This is what Jesus came to the earth so that we could be connected to God. And through his word, it tells the story of God creating the earth, how sin came into the earth, how Jesus came and died for our sins, how Jesus was resurrected after three days, how he ascended into heaven, how the Holy Spirit descended upon the earth, and how at the end of it all, Jesus helped us to not only take back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, but in the end of this book, it says that we win. So when we understand the power of this book, it's not like any other book. These are God's promises for you and for me. And the more we read the book, the more we understand the book, the more we get to see the future that God has promised for us. It's a great place to say amen. You just missed it, but that's all right. Now unto him who is able to do. So that means God's doing something. He's not abstract. He's not 
uh, uh, obstinate. He's not far off from your life. Say, okay, you just go and live your life. No, no, no. God's doing something in your life. God's working on you. God's working in your family. You are someone who's under construction. Look at someone next to you and say, I knew you were under construction. It's okay if you don't have it all figured out. It's okay if you're not all that and a bag of chips. It's okay if you don't have it all and you can't be it all right now. God's working. I mean, did you listen to the song? Even when I don't feel it, he's working, right? You just sang the song. What is he? He's a way maker. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Even when you can't see it, he's working. You're under construction. God's working to willing to do his good pleasure in your lives. And when God works, it's not just a little. It's exceeding, abundant, and above. So there's a story in the Old Testament where the children of Israel, they've come out of bondage in Egypt. They have now traveled through the wilderness for 40 years. They've stepped into the promised land. I mean, they are walking in their promises. Joshua, the book of Joshua tells us a story how he's a newly elected leader. He steps into the promised land. But would you know that when he stepped into the promised land, it wasn't all peaches and roses. It wasn't all gravy, pie in the sky, wonderful, every day, happy-go-lucky, man, no problems. In fact, when they stepped into the promised land was when they had to start conquering cities. Wait a minute. I'm walking in the promised land. It should be easy. I shouldn't have to conquer anything. Did you know the Bible says you are more than a conqueror? It says that you are an overcomer. So here's a bad part of a good promise. If you're an overcomer, that means there's things you're going to have to overcome. It's a bad part of a good promise. That means it may not all be easy, but it is possible. You may not, you know, have the life that you wished you have, but you have a life that God has given you, and there is possibility for your future to step into a better life. So there's this understanding. The children of Israel, they walked into the promised land. Man, they're eating grapes. They're enjoying the honey, the milk. It's a wonderful time. But then they come up against a city called Jericho. The city of Jericho was the impossible, impenetrable city, the city that they had told stories about from generation to generation. And now the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River. They saw a miracle on dry ground of the Red Sea. Now they're walking into their promised land, but they face an impossible situation. Many people, when they face impossible situations, they think they're on the wrong path. Well, maybe, maybe God is not working in my life. No, 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 no. God's working in your life. He's just going to show himself strong to you. He's going to help that thing which you think is impossible to become possible because he's a way maker. He does what he wants to do. He can take that which you think, oh, he can never do it, and he can do it. And then at the end of the day, you'll recognize it wasn't because you were so smart, because you had enough money, because you had an educational background and a document hanging on your wall or whatever. It's because God's working. It's a good place to say amen. So here are the children of Israel. Joshua chapter 6. They step into the promised land. They're now looking at the city of Jericho. And listen to what the angel of the Lord speaks to Joshua as he is looking at this impossible city, trying to figure out, what am I going to do about this city? This is what the Lord says. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel, and none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and all of its mighty men. Now, let me ask you a question. Was Joshua looking at the city of Jericho? Yes. The Bible says he was there looking at Jericho. He was there. He was right close to Jericho. But then the Lord, why does the Lord say, see, I've given you the city? Because there's a difference between looking and seeing. Uh, 
impossible city, big walls, a lot of soldiers. Hmm, that's a pretty big deal over there. But then the Lord says, see. In other words, there's something behind the seeing. There's a promise. See, I've given you the city. That changes things. That means I can look and not have clear understanding, but when I begin to see with eyes of faith what God has said, my situations begin to change. So see, I've given the city and its king and its men into your hands. And then right after he says, see, right after Joshua gets clarity of sight for his future that was promised to him, then God gives a strategy. Isn't it interesting that many of us are praying for strategy without praying for sight? Say, okay, God, I want a victory. How are you going to do this? Okay, God. When you could simply just say, God, give me clarity of sight for what you want to do. And when you get clarity of sight for your family, for your future, now how do you do that? Well, the word of God helps to clarify our sight. It helps to give us vision beyond what we see. The word of God helps to reveal God's nature and his purpose and his promises for our lives. So even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't understand it, he's working. I see, oh, wow, he's a way maker. Oh, he did a miracle there. Oh, there's miracles in the desert. Oh, there's water in the middle of the desert. Oh, there's, there's direction in the dry place. Oh, there's, there, there's, there's peace in the midst of a storm. Oh, he said, peace, be still. Oh, okay, then I see that, even though I don't see that, and now I can see that. Isn't that right? See, this is the God that we serve. And my prayer for us as we step into this new year is that you would have 2020 vision to see what God sees. So let's talk about it. What does God see? Provision, promise, number one. This is what God sees. God sees there's a promise of provision. How many of you have ever been in a place in life where you didn't have enough provision? Let me see your hands. Some of you just finished Christmas, most of you probably spend a lot of your provision on Christmas. Now you're saying, what can I do about January, right? Did you know that provision is a promise from God? That part of his nature is that he is a provider. The Bible uses this term Jehovah, which is God, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. That word translated simply means he's the God who provides. That word came at a time when Abraham, one of our forefathers in the early part of the Bible, in Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know the story. We're the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through that, Abraham had a story where God gave him a son, and then God asked him to sacrifice his son. He took his son up the mountain, and he was ready to sacrifice his son. And at the moment where he was ready to sacrifice his son, because he was willing to give everything to the God that had given him everything, then in that moment, God provided a ram that was stuck in the bushes. And then God says, don't sacrifice your son. Now I know that you trust me, that you will give me everything. Sacrifice the ram that was there at the exact time, not accidentally, not just by choice, but by divine assignment, just like you, are not here because you chose, but you're here on divine assignment. The ram was there. He put the ram, he, he, he uh, slaughtered the ram right there, sacrificed him on the altar, and it is in that place that God then became known as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. This is part of God's na nature, that he is a provider. Provision has been promised for you and for me. And as we head into this new year, I want to help you to not just look at your situations, but to see that God is your provider. Three people believe that. Listen to what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 8. It says, 
that the Lord will command the blessing upon you, upon your storehouses or your bank accounts, and all which you set your hands. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord God is giving you. Then the translation says this way, that, that everything you put your hand to will prosper. There's a promise of provision. And some of you have been so overwhelmed by a lack of provision or by negative thoughts surrounding the provision that you need in some area of your life, whether it's monetary provision, whether it's health provision, whether it's directional provision for your life, there's been a deficit in your life. And I'm here to encourage and strengthen your faith today to help you to understand that this is who God is. God is your provider. And if you can see the way that God sees, you'll start to look at your situations different because God has promised you provision. The Bible says that everything you put your hand to will prosper, that there's a blessing that you are connected to because you are connected to God. Third John in verse 2, it says this, that God wants you to be prosperous and in health. Have you ever wondered, does God want to heal me? The answer is yes. Does God want to prosper me so that I don't have to struggle all the time? Yes. God wants you to be prosperous and successful and healthy in all that you do. Philippians 4 and verse 19 says, And my God shall supply, that means there might be a place of need, but God will supply all of your needs according to what? His riches. That means God has provision set up for you. It may come through a person or a place, but at the end of the line, God is the provider. Did you know that the company that signs your check on a regular basis is not really your provider? The company could change. Did you know the government that may send you some money in the mail at tax season? I mean, that's great. You can get some extra money or whatever, but the government's not your provider. Did you know the government can go down or up or the stock market can go down or up or the company's names could change? You could be let go of your job or you could get a new job or a promotion. But at the end of the day, did you know that those things and those entities are not your ultimate provider? God is your source. God is your provider. Now, if you don't have that understanding and you're just looking without clearly seeing, then you think that company is your provider. And go ahead and try to think that they're your provider. But one day you won't have that company anymore. One day you may not have that job. You may not have that check. And then what are you going to do? Well, I put my hope in the pension fund, and then all of a sudden the pension fund was gone. What are you going to do? Well, you're lost. You, you don't know what to do. But if you put your hope in God, God will bring another source. If you put your hope in God, if you, you get let go tomorrow, God can provide another job. God can give you a business idea. You can start your own company. God, God can give you witty inventions, and you can, you can see provision. But at the end of the day, it's not you. It's not the company. It's God. God is our source. You know, this understanding can revolutionize the way that we see the future. Because when you look at the future, you're looking at it based on God's promises, not your problems. This is not just a good idea. This is God's idea. This is his idea for us to understand that he is our provider, that there's a promise of provision. God shall supply. So let me tell you a story in my own life. At the end of last year, we saw God do amazing things in missions and outreach and some of the things that we're a part of in different parts of the world. And as we we're finishing the year, I felt like God was stretching my faith to believe uh, for a, a different outreach that we were doing in Cambodia. Uh, up to then, you know, in eight years, we had dug about 37 water wells in these remote areas. 
of Cambodia where people don't have clean drinking water. They don't have electricity. They don't know about Jesus. And so the ministers and pastors are going in and they're helping provide for natural things for these people and then sharing the gospel with them and doing Bible clubs and starting churches. And we've been partnering with them since uh, the end of 2007 in these rural areas. But in eight or nine years, only 36 or 37 wells, which is awesome that now there's, you know, wells in all these places. But I felt at the end of the year, God said to believe for 52 wells in 52 weeks. Now, I just said it took eight or nine years to get 36 or 37 wells because they cost a lot of money. I didn't have any. It took cost a lot of money. And now I'm supposed to believe for 52 in 52. One year's time, 52 wells. I mean, that's accelerated growth. And when God spoke that to me, guess how much money I had? Zero. And I needed like 100-something thousand dollars for all of these wells. And I thought, well, that's just the devil. But then I thought, the devil probably doesn't want me to dig water wells in a Buddhist country so we can tell them about Jesus and help them to have clean drinking water so that they won't die of waterborne diseases. It's probably not the devil. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just my idea. And I thought, well, if it's my idea, I would never have believed for 52 because I have zero. I have zero dollars and I have to believe for all that. It's not my idea. I would do something more practical, like two. I can believe for that. I mean, I could save money. I take money out of my check and save it every month. I could probably do too. That would have been my idea. God's idea is in the exceeding, the abundant, the above. So it wasn't the devil. It wasn't me. It was definitely God. But there's still this understanding of God speaks. We have to do something about it. And so there I was. I began sharing with a few people. And I began sharing with Pastor Chris. And Victory Orlando got on board. And other people got on board. And then we started to see miracles happen. We got up to like 40 wells by the end of August. And it was miracles. Like, wow, we had enough provision for 40 wells. But then it kind of just was silent for a while. One more, two more. And then two weeks ago, we had gotten up to the provision and sent the money over to Cambodia. The wells are being dug. They, they got the provision for 46 wells. It's a miracle, 46 wells. I mean, if it was just 46, that would have been a breakthrough year because we would have exceeded what we did previously all the way eight or nine years worth of work. We exceeded that already. I mean, that would have been a good day. But God said 52 and 52, and there's two weeks left in the year. And I'm thinking, okay, is, is God going to come through? And I was in another country, and someone sent me a message on, on Instagram or something, a guy that I had met and, and, you know, talked to. But I hadn't talked to the guy in 10 years. He sent me a message about some other subject. And as I was replying to the message, I just had this thought, why don't you invite him to lunch just to connect and see how he's doing? So I invited him to lunch. The next week, I got back in country. And so two weeks ago, I met him for lunch. We're talking about completely other subjects, about life and kids and family and all that kind of stuff. And then he just looked at me and said, well, what's going on right now that you're believing God for, that you need a miracle that I can agree with you for? And at first, I didn't want to say anything about the wells. And I was like, hmm, what else can I tell him? Hmm. Because sometimes you doubt God even though God has spoken. And even though you've seen God do miracles, I mean, 46 wells, that's a miracle when you have zero and you have 46 wells. I mean, that's $98,000 that I went from zero to 98. That's pretty good. And then in that moment, I, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I tell him about that or not. Well, you can believe with me for six more wells because I'm believing God for 52 and 52. We have 46. And he just looks at me and he's like, oh, okay, that's great. And then we talked about this other subject for a while. No more about the wells, nothing else. And I thought, well, I guess he doesn't like water wells. He doesn't like Cambodia. Maybe he doesn't like Jesus. I don't know. So I left. He left. It was a great lunch, but nothing else on the wells. 
And then later that afternoon, I get a text message. She says, hey, how about uh, if I help you with, with four of those six water wells? That's a good day. $8,000 for more water wells in Cambodia. I thought the guy wasn't interested. That's a miracle. Now we're to 50. That would be a great year if we have 50 water wells. But that was not the vision. 52. So later that night, I was at a thing with my kids. They were practicing for a Christmas play. And I'm standing there talking to a couple of the other dads. And they were talking about stuff. And I was sharing, you know, miracles of what God was doing in different countries. And something about the water wells or whatever. And one of the guys looked at me. He's like, well, did you make the 52 wells yet? And I said, no, we're at 50. And then he looked at the other guy. He left me out of the conversation. He looked at the other guy that I was talking to. And he was like, well, hey, I'll give one if you give one. And then the other guy looked at him and was like, what are you talking about? He wasn't even listening about the water wells. And I just kind of stepped back, and they just began arguing back and forth about this. And he's like, well, you have the money. And he's like, no, you have the money. You just get both. He's like, no, 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 I'll give one if you give one. And then one guy just started walking off, and he's like, okay, are we going to do this? And the other guy was like, okay, we're going to do this. Later that night, they gave money, another $4,000 for two more wells, and we've been able to complete 52 in 52. That's a miracle. This church is a part of that. Several of those wells you guys have been a part of, all those 52. But I share that story with you so you can understand this. God is our provider. That provision is a promise from God. It's not about me. I don't need a watermill in my backyard. I go to a faucet and I turn it on. It works. But people in Cambodia need it. And they need to be reminded every time they go to that well that God is their source. That no organization, no government came in there and brought them that well. The people of God did. The church of God did. That they brought them a well to remind them that it's not just about fresh water. It's about living water. That it's about being connected to the creator of everything who sent his son to die for them. And they can have a relationship with him. And every time that they go to that well, there's a little sign there that says Jesus, you know, gave them the, 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 the saying. And he says, I am the well of life. Help them to understand that he's living water. Connect them to God. So when you look at your situation, and it seems impossible, be encouraged. It's okay, because God is your provider. Everybody say, he's our provider. The second promise that we need to understand is not only is he our provider, but he's our peace. The Bible says he's Jehovah Shalom, which means peace. With the division and uncertainty that's all around us, how many of you realize in the world that we live there is a need of peace. There is plenty of fighting and plenty of opposition and plenty of disagreeing that goes on in families and governments and in communities. But in the midst of that, in the midst of your worry, in the midst of the negative mindsets or the fear about the future, whether you're young or old, whether you, you're fearful about you know, not making it or somebody letting you, know, you go or, or things changing around you, in the midst of all uncertainty, did you know that there's a rock that you can stand on and his name is Jesus Christ and he is called the Prince of Peace? When we celebrate Christmas and we talk about the baby, what you need to remember about the baby is that he came as a savior of the world to bring peace to the world. And then when you're connected to him and you're a follower of him, then that peace that was promised doesn't just, isn't just an abstract idea off in the distance. That peace that was promised actually becomes concrete and a reality in your life. That he has promised you peace. The Bible says this in Colossians 3 and verse 15. It says, and let the peace of God Rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. 
Did you know that when you're grateful and thankful for what God has done in the past, it gives you peace for the future? It says, and let the peace. In other words, I can let or I can not let. It's a choice. And let the peace. In other words, the peace is promised for you. You can either let it work in your life or you can kind of push it off. Now, I'm going to worry. But the Bible says, who by worrying can add even one minute to your life? Why worry? Right? Why fear? Oh, I'm going to just be fearful the rest of my life. What's that going to do? I'm going to be negative because the past is so terrible. I'm negative because I've seen it in the past, and I don't think God could do anything in the future. Well, how's that going to help you? Is that going to help you? It's hard to live a positive life with a negative mindset or a negative mouth. And if you want to know what your mindset is, just listen to your mouth. Stand in the mirror and say, okay, what have I been thinking? Okay, what have I been saying? Yep, that's my mindset. So if you want to change that, change the words you're speaking out of your mouth. The Bible says, you know, the Bible in 2 Corinthians says, the spirit of faith is I believe and therefore I speak. So well, your speech is an indicator of what you believe. So if you believe God's your provider, you'll start to do like I did this morning as I was driving up here to church and I'm declaring over my life. I thank you, God, that you're working in my life. I thank you that everywhere I go, I prosper. Everything I put my hand to prospers. I thank you that the angel of the Lord encamps around about me. I thank you that you have sent out my children to be arrows to the nations. I thank you, Lord, that I was created for signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I thank you that, that you perfect that which concerns me. I thank you that your commanded blessing is chasing me down. You just begin to speak those things out of your mouth, whether you believe them or not, because you can... Your belief can work two ways. You can confess your way into believing, or you can believe your way into confessing. Either way, it works. Amen. Some of you are looking at me like a deer caught in the headlights. It's okay. I might speak fast, but it's truth. And if you apply the truth to your life, just like I have, then it's going to work in your life. Because this is not good ideas from Caleb on the stage. This is God's word. He says, and let the peace of God. So my challenge for you today, let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's a promise. Get 2020 vision for your life as we step into 2020. See your life the way God sees it. The third thing I see here in Scripture is not only has he given us a promise of provision and peace, but he's given us a promise of purpose. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11 that he knows the plans that he has for us, and those are good and not evil. Those to give you a future and a hope. One translation says a purpose and a future. Did you know in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says that even before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. It goes on to say that he set you apart. God knew you. God knew the purpose in which you were created. God created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. Before you were ever born, whether you think you're an accident or not, whether you think you're here on purpose or not, God has a purpose for you. When we understand that, when we see, God, you have a purpose for my life. Things begin to change because it's just like Jericho. I can look in the natural and say, well, God doesn't have a purpose for my life. I came from this. I've gone through this. I dealt with this. Maybe God forgot my purpose. Maybe, you know, I'm the, the one anomaly in the earth that when, when I was formed in my mother's womb, God didn't know me. God didn't set me apart. But I want to tell you this. God's not accidental. In fact, the Bible says God's not a man that he would lie. In Malachi, it says about God, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. It's interesting. The Lord doesn't change. So the same God who created the world in Genesis and the same God who finished it all at the end of Revelation and defeats the devil and we live victorious with him in heaven for the rest of our days, that same God, he doesn't change. You know what that helps me to understand? If I read stories in the scripture 
that says God worked a miracle of provision and he doesn't change, that means he's the provider. If I see stories like Jesus speaking peace to storms and speaking hope to people's lives, that helps me to understand he's not going to change. If he spoke hope then, he speaks hope now. If he spoke peace then, he speaks peace now. If God says, I knew you before you were formed, then you know what? He knew you before you were formed. He gave you purpose. He set you apart. He gives you a hope and a future. Maybe we're just not seeing clearly. Maybe we're not seeing things the way God sees them. My friend recently sent me a picture of him at a ball game. Somebody took a screenshot of this game that was televised, and they took a picture of the section where he was sitting, and he, he texted it to me. He's like, look, they got a picture of me on the big screen. I was at the game. And it was a picture of a crowd at a game. I couldn't see where he was. He's like, look, don't you see me? I said, I'm looking, but I don't see you. He said, look for section such and such and go down about 15 rows and go over to the middle and look for the person in the red hat. Now do you see me? Sure enough, 101, go down, bam, boom, red hat. Oh, there he was. He was there the whole time. I was looking. I just couldn't see. It's amazing how when we have a little instruction when we get a little insight that may be different than our situations, when we read, okay, God said this about me and God promised me this and God has provided this. It's amazing when we get a little instruction, we can see. My prayer for you as we finish one year and step into the next is that you wouldn't just look at your family, look at your business, look at your finances, look at your marriage. You wouldn't just look in the natural, but that you would see what God sees. Because when you see what God sees, you experience what God has promised.